0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leg Upward Inclusion Spotlight, making the invisible visible with me, Dr. Aparajita Jitagunta, And today's guest is an amazing coach. And I'm very, very excited to have this conversation with him. Today's guest is coming all the way from the West Coast, Coach Shannon McCoy. Coach McCoy is an optimal performance coach. He specializes in working with overachievers who become overwhelmed, having no idea how to handle the onslaught of demands for their their time, feeling as if they will never reach their full potential. Coach McCoy helps them clarify their priorities, their most advantageous and profitable goals, and the limiting fears that lead them to burnout. The beauty is that he does this without added overwhelm or having clients sacrifice any more of what matters most to them. I actually came in touch with Coach McCoy through another coaching friend of mine. You may have heard his episode, Coach Derek Long. So I you know, also want to take this moment to thank Coach Derek for introducing me to this incredibly inspiring man that I'm about to introduce all of you to. So it is with absolute pleasure that I welcome Coach McCoy to this podcast and to this episode. Hi, Coach McCoy.
1: Hello there. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I'm seriously so impressed with what you put in the form, but also, you know, what I researched about you. And before we sort of take a deep dive into what it is that you do right now and all of that, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling me and our listeners, how did this journey happen for you? Why coaching? When all of that? What led you on this journey? Wow. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's a great question. I think it, you know, it goes back to when I was a young man or a little boy, I think, and just really before I really knew what coaching was. Re- really all about, I guess I think of it more back then was kind of being more as like a mentor, a teacher, uh, maybe even a preacher from having a background in uh, the ministry and being brought up in, you know, congregational activities, things like that. I remember being really inspired by a man that spoke in front of a group of folks that, uh, where I lived, I was one of the few black people that lived in the area, and this uh, preacher happened to be black, and I remember how Engaged, not only I was, but everybody in the the, the crowd. You know, all, everybody in attendance. It's just like you could hear a pin drop when he was speaking. When he would pause, and we'd all found inspiration in him. I, I think almost everybody that met him or spoke with him would say, you know, he's one of the best speakers I've ever had. He's so motivational and inspirational. And I remember that being kind of like the setup in my mind for Wow, that's the kind of person I want to be, and that person looks like me. And Wow, he could be heard and he could be seen in this world that I was growing up in, in, uh, very Northern California. And it was amazingly enough, still, you know, like in the, in the eighties, I was still having challenges to, to walk in and get, get some food and, and having to go the back of the line, things that were just, uh, people would say you live in California. That never happened. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole different world and a whole different subject, maybe for a different time. But <laughs> let me tell you, I went through it pretty, um, it was, a, it was a rough childhood. So I think that's what got me inclined Towards like, uh, which, what, like what I do now is uh, speaking and coaching. I think that's where it, it kind of started. And then over time, going to school and focusing on psychology, I was wanting to be a psychologist. I was thinking of being a counselor and having my own practice. And, and over the years, I, I realized that what was most important to me was not only helping people to understand where uh, most of their limiting beliefs or their boundaries are being stuck, what, what that's all about, where it came from, but to how to get out of that and get moving and make create momentum to actually reach their greatest potential.
0: Wow, I have so many questions if I unpack that story. (laughs) But that is such an (laughs) incredible story. And that is such a great beginning to have that inspiration and then to have that inspiration look like you so that you know that it is possible to I mean, so that right there is already the great segue into my heart and soul of my podcast, which is about diversity and inclusion and making the invisible visible. But we'll get to that in the next segment. I'm a mindset coach. And I'm an empowerment coach for women of any ethnic background. But I love especially love to work with women of color because of some similarities in our lived experiences in this mainstream society, which is, you know, also what you were talking about in terms of the difficulties. So who do you work with? And how do you approach what you do as a coach?
1: Yeah. I think that my well my focus is, has been on the, the individuals who I find that were like me like maybe then the, the, the situation that they're experiencing today is exactly where I was and that was as I've always been this overachieving go-getter driven person and you know and sometimes I didn't even know where it comes from because I would think oh my goodness I mean why do I get up so inspired and so motivated when my situation is not I mean there's people in my situation that would literally take their life because they Say, what's the point of seeing tomorrow and dealing with this over and over again, especially from what I put out and what comes back? Are you kidding me? You know, so I think that's kind of like the more I, I look into my own world and my own experience, so I understand people that are going through that. And it comes from, for me, that is the overachiever that gets extremely overwhelmed and they don't know how to, to, to deal with the onslaught of demands for time because the fact is, is that, well, of course, the fact is we all have 24 hours. But it just seems like you just don't have enough to do. There's such a conflict in, in your mind because you're you're driven to be to live at your greatest potential, and that's so important to you. For whatever reason, so it's that individual that could relate to what I'm saying there. That individual is the type of person that needs help getting clear on what their true priorities are and why they're so stuck, which is typically, as we all you know know, that do this kind of work is those limiting beliefs, they could really they hang you up, even even when you have the motivation and the energy, you, you, you could derive that or generate that from someplace. Even then, those limiting beliefs, if you haven't figured out how to become the person that can sustain the life that you want, that potential that you know you have, if you don't become step into that role, it's actually never going to happen. Until I come to that conclusion, I didn't even realize how much value I had as a coach. I, fig- I found out that when I could help people shift and actually impact their, their life in a way that when they shift, they make a a slight transformation each time we have a coaching session to where some of those limiting beliefs they let go of and in place of that is something more empowering. And we actually look at things that prove that they actually do have a choice. (laughs) They can make a decision to change this or that. So I think that the power behind the work that I do is because the, the world that I came from, I actually created my own world is what I realized. I think that's the beauty of my story is that... in a situation, like, you know, and I'm pretty serious about that, about, you know, somebody that would, would take their own life because I've had situations where it would seem like the way, it would seem like the world was imploding on you, you know, like, so like God gave up on you or, you know, it's like, what's the whole point of all this? I, but I realized how I overcame that was truly a mindset shift. It's it's how I would view, it would be the things that I learned how to take pleasure in and to appreciate some of those very very minute things in life that we take for granted, and I truly uh, was able to build some fuel to not only get through the day, but to start to actually be inspired by the day, by the things that I saw, that the little things that I would take for granted, and maybe even see put in a negative light, even even if it really was negative. This is the this is the kind of the beauty of it. even if it is negative in some way, like hey, let's just call it what it is. That was a you know that person is being very Racist and belittling to me, I could actually see the benefits of that strengthening me and giving me what I need. And that really, that kind of power is actually freaky power. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's an invincibility that, I, you know, I, I could actually just like explode into talking about it and actually take too much of the time. But it's, I, I guess, the bottom line is if I could help somebody make that shift from basically seeing themselves as lack. To help them to feel empowered and to recognize where it's truly that they truly are empowered, and help them to be more accountable for their situation. Oh my goodness, it's um, you know, th- th- and there's a balance there. But what I'm saying is that the ability to do that, the skills that we learn, and, and this mindset work is really priceless, and that's why I get excited about it because it's like that's you know, I've come a long way in my ability to address it, to approach, be be approachable, and actually have the skill set to where when I'm Coaching somebody, helping them to be humble enough to accept the coaching and and be willing to see where that brings them. There's some courage in that as well too, especially when you invest in a coach. Because as we know, that's typically that's something that many of us even believe that w- was impossible for us to have is to have our own personal coach. You know, that's a luxury that the rich have. That's another limiting belief. And what's real and what's true is if we don't have those mentors like the the man I talked about when I was a youngster, because I certainly didn't have that as a Father, let me tell you, and that's a whole other story. But if we don't have that, and we're not on a team where maybe a, a coach that really, truly, sincerely loves you and is inspired by you or inspires you and motivates you, you don't have that. I mean, you can you could go down the list of things you don't have, but there are options out there, and personal coaching is one of them. You know, and so there's. It's not a lack of opportunity. I think the challenge for us today, if we want to really recognize it, is there's so much opportunity. It's what do we focus on next? What's the highest priority that, you know, to focus on next? That to me is the greater challenge once I realize all that's out there waiting for me to help me to get to where I want to be.
0: That was beautiful. We have to take a short break before we move on to the next segment to talk about diversity and inclusion, especially, you know, in context of your upcoming Bringing in northern california in the 80s and you know i'm very interested in finding out what you think about it so we'll be right back after this short break And we're back on Leg Upward Inclusion Spotlight, Making the Invisible Visible with me, Dr. Aparajita Jirigunta, And our guest speaker today is Coach Shannon McCoy, who is an optimal performance coach on the West Coast. Coach McCoy, you did grow up in Northern California, and you said that you were one of the few black kids in your neighborhood, and it was not the ideal situation. Looking back on that, and then looking at where we are today in American society, how much progress you think has actually happened?
1: Mm, good question. Well, I'll back up and just clarify. I wasn't one of the few black kids in my area. I was the only besides my brother.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, uh, you yeah, know, I guess I should really clarify that. And the other thing is, is that uh, as far as the progress that's been made, I would say what is amazing to me with progress is I just recently moved to Portland, Oregon, which it seems like every time I move, it's another five hours. I was raised in uh, Yuba City in the Sutter Buttes area in Northern California and then moved to Medford, Oregon, five hours away, and then another five hours up to Portland just recently. Like I said, four or five months it's been. And I'm realizing that at least here in Multnomah County, I'm realizing that the discussion of Equity and inclusion and diversity and microaggressions—all these different things are being discussed. Were you know, and Portland's a small city, probably compared to most of the folks that are listening. However, for me, it's it's funny because we have a a different point of view. I get there and I think, oh, this diversity! I can't believe that these people that I'm seeing—it's I'm I'm loving this—and they're like, "You call this diverse? What a joke!" You know, this is a lack of diversity. It's a lack of support, and I hear the lack, and I hear the, the problems and. For me, it's humorous and it's not humorous. It's not humorous in their, for their situation because they see, they see what they see. However, Shannon, Coach McCoy comes from a very, very different perspective because I've seen the lack of the lack. I've seen like this discussion that we're having today where it's not a discussion. It's just not open to, for discussion. Nobody's willing to go there. It's too vulnerable. It's too scary. Therefore, it's still all pushed under the rug. So the fact that the individuals could actually talk about it like at, at work. I mean, I've I've, um, I've seen, I've shown up at different county events, these folks that are working for different public entities, they, they're actually discussing these issues openly. And uh, how can folks th- that are white actually make changes proactively to support diversity and inclusion, and and actually, what can they do as individuals? These discussions, even though I know that they certainly should take place, it's a no-brainer that they should take place. To me, it just puts a smile on my face because people are willing to go there. Mm -hmm. So I want to build on that and that positive notion, you know, and, and also recognize the work that still needs to be done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you've had a very important point there that it's so interesting that for some of us, It's amusing, yet at the same time, it's also gratifying in some ways that these type of conversations are being had candidly now. But at the same time, what I've often heard as well, coming from a very different background and experience is sort of the same questioning that you got in the sense of you call this diversity, like, come on, and you know, you should know better. And I'm like, Oh, no, see, I wasn't even expecting this much. So (laughs) this, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, They're like, where have you been? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've been where. Yeah, I've been where none of you are at. I could tell you that. <laughs> you,
0: know. yeah. you ended the last response by saying like the work that still needs to happen. And that's really interesting to me. Where do you see what are the issues where you see the work that still needs to happen? And what would that work be? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I see
1: a few things, you know, right off the bat that come to mind when I think about let's just say the public sector, because the private sector is also another kind of another beast of its own. You know, sometimes that could be a completely different approach. In the public sector, when I see these different organizations, of folks that are working for the city, for the county, for the state, I see these movements that are down on paper. I'm don't. i, I I'm not seeing names of individuals who have a responsibility that holds weight for change, so to speak. Like, okay, where's the teeth in this? There's a decision here. And I'm going to use the word teeth, because we use that in a lot of other things. Like when we, say, hey, we want to get this done, and we're going to hold folks' accountability. So where does the teeth, where where the teeth lie in this whole equation, <laughs> you know? So this in this project that we have, the teeth is, you know, this, this director is going to be responsible for the progress that we make and to measure that progress and so forth and bring in the right individuals to make, to hear about, you know, take a pulse on what's really going on. So I don't really see that in a lot of these models where folks are coming out and say, hey, we're going to have this movement with This organization, you know, whether it's state programs, countywide programs, that kind of thing. It it seems to me like the initiatives are placed with the folks. Like the responsibility is, again, the folks who are being challenged or complaining or the ones that are kind of waving the flag and saying, Look at this going on down here. And they say, Okay, great. We're going to make an initiative. You guys figure out how to solve this. Now, I, I do believe that the folks that are having any kind of challenges and, you know, are basically pointing at the problem i do believe that they should be a part of the solution and share what they're seeing and how you know here's here's some suggestions because this is what i'm experiencing but if they don't if they're not the decision makers so so who is who's who's the decision maker i mean are we doing this for make everybody feel good you know about it there's that piece i think that that's a phase that we're going to have you know yeah, and I'm sure you speak to that as well Is that, you You know, like checking the boxes off and saying, yeah, we talked about this, yep. <laughs> you know, and, and again, we, we kind of make jokes about it, but the reality is, is that, Hey, we actually have to answer this question. If we're actually going to see some, some progress, we need to find out what's going to be different now that we've had this discussion based on everything that we've heard. Now we know where there's areas that people are being excluded, uh, where we are keeping things status quo, what are we going to do? differently now and i think what what i've been hearing is what we're going to do differently is we're going to talk about this what we're going to do differently is we're going to open a new initiative but they never say that will end in a decision of blank so
0: yeah there are no clear outcomes there there are no clear deliverables or even expected deliverables other than again coming from my space it's like the only deliverable we can sort of expect is that they're going to check off that box
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's the huge problem I and mean, that's that's what we're highlighting, right? Is that that in itself is hugely disrespectful, you know? It is very mm-hmm. disrespectful. If this is if it's something that's worthy, I mean if, if there is value in addressing this, then the whole that you know just checking off the box because really that's what it is when initiatives don't have a desired outcome Mm -hmm. then then really it's it's hugely disrespectful to the folks that have just shared what the problem is and how how diverse of it may be or how it impacts the rest of the community that's that's very disrespectful and dishonoring that's something i see i and the other thing i notice is that I'm, i'm not seeing much reflection of you know people's life experiences you know i've I've learned about your life experience a little bit by listening to you, and I think, wow. <laughs> Okay. What is it that AJ cannot do? You know, like if, if, if I'm going to create a work instruction for a new position and I start looking at the qualities that it's going to take, you know, and so, sometimes people will say, you know, what I'm going to do is that way. I, so I'm going to say 10 years of management. Well, is it 10 years of management or is it the ability to create something, you know, like where, you know, when you're in a situation, let, let's call it, let's call it a different name. Because there's people with 10 years of experience managing things and they did, they did a poor job. It is what it is. I mean, there's people who have done poorly for 10, 15, 20 years as a manager, and they manage things that are cookie cutter, that there's nothing's really exploded on them, and they've not really been challenged. I mean, I think all of us know somebody in a position like that. So why don't we request uh, to hire people in positions where their fortitude, well, we could put names on it and actually actually check on referrals and see if those people really have that kind of fortitude did are they really inclusive? I mean, like when it comes to like their approach to management, how do we even know that? You know, if those things are valuable, then why don't we check those instead of adding another five years to experience on a position? I mean, what would be more valuable to find out that this person has the ability to overcome pretty much any obstacle because they have the humility to not only state when they don't know something or they need help and assistance and they actually know how to go about it and get that and and it. But in a proactive way where they still show strength in their position. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah, I'll take that over another three years of experience uh, doing the same old thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's, I think that's missing. This, I hope that's. I'm making that clear to folks, is that that's a perspective that I'm not hearing that a whole lot.
0: It's so funny because when I saw that response on your form that you sent to me, I started laughing out loud and my husband was there too because, and you know, he saw it and he started laughing out loud because we were just having this exact same conversation he and I Mm -hmm. in the context of my work and you know my life experience and all of that tying it in with my story that I've had so many people tell me that my 10 years of academic experience in managing research projects in creating a brand new research line and designing it and collecting the data and doing the metrics and measuring and analyzing the results and producing reports and teaching and curriculum people in the corporate side tell me that literally none of that counts as experience (laughs) yeah right okay this kind of bureaucracy is just it's it's crushing to you know people's souls like and i don't want to be in that kind of a space because i know what my skill sets are and if they don't want to give me the opportunity i'm going to go you know make my own opportunities and do it anyway And we were talking about it, and I'm like, hey, I wonder what these companies that said that I don't have any experience would say about everything that I've just done in the last nine months, which is more than what three leaders in a company would do in a year. Absolutely. Right? And my husband sort of tongue in cheek was like, they'd probably say this is not real experience. (laughs) Yep.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. He was tongue in cheek about it, but there is such a real point to be made in that the powers that be, quote unquote, only want what they want and in their little boxes. Mm -hmm. And they're not able to see past those boxes. And by doing that, they are actually missing out on so much amazing talent out there. Yes, and then these companies are wondering why they're not able to retain people, yeah. why there's no engagement, yeah. why there's high attrition, and it's yeah. like, are you joking right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's ex- absolutely it. Henceforth, entrepreneurialism. It's like that. If my skills were not, if there just wasn't a place to celebrate my skills, or if it's it's not even a question. It's like we we just want you to put these uh, you know round pegs in the round uh-huh. hole, in the, these squares and the square holes. If that if that's the way it's going to be, then I would have to find a way to express, you know, explore my skills, share my skills, expand my skills, the the gifts that we were given, you know, that it's like you said, and they're missing out on that because they haven't figured out a way to harness that. And I think what is interesting about that is that, you know, like my background in in HR work, that's the kind of thing that I would want to do that's different from status quo. I always want to do things that were completely like that, you know, I wasn't just there to hire and fire. I was there to inspire, engage, and to be a messenger of the vision that the CEO had as an HR and organizational development manager. You know, I was the cultural development manager as who I was. And so that's the kind of thing, like what we're talking about right now, and th- this is what really was another, I guess, it's another spontaneous kind of leap into the coaching and speaking world is in a role like this as an HR manager, you become like a, you could become a talent manager. And, you know, I I think the HR world is, is one place that could really use that infusion of autonomy within an organization to develop these type of things that we're talking about. That's, that's really what a human resource would be, right? Yeah, That's one of my arguments with the standardized (laughs) HR being attached to the, one of the accountants like, oh yeah, within this organization, I do accounting and I am the HR person and I am the safety coordinator. It's like, you know, yeah, that shows you how much value there is when it comes to resources for the humans here.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's like, okay, so you check the boxes and you file the paperwork. Got Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) well we you know this this is an awesome segment we do have to take a short break but when we come back coach McCoy I want to talk about what you envision for your future as a coach and I'm really really interested in hearing your ideas about the future of coaching and the future of work and the future of coach McCoy so don't go anywhere we'll be right back And we're back on Leg Upward Inclusion Spotlight, making the invisible visible. And I'm here with Coach McCoy, all the way from Portland, Oregon, recording with me on a weekend, because this is the only time we could find together. The reason I bring that up is it tells you a lot about who Coach McCoy is. It tells me a lot about who Coach McCoy is when things need to get done. And I can see how that would relate to your work in terms of being an optimal performance coach. It really, really is just about doing what you can to meet the other person where they are. Yeah.
1: Yeah, You know, as coaches, I think you, you'll you notice that some coaches, they come out and they say, well, hey, I'm a life coach. I'm a business coach. I'm a marketing coach. And we do use tend to use a lot of key phrases. You know, like for me, some of the, I guess maybe the trigger points with, with some of the folks that I work with would be time management, goal achievement, accountability, you know. but But ultimately what I am doing, my focus is on helping people create the kind of mindset that allows them to create this invincible mindset so that they could handle anything that's coming their way because really when it comes down to it, they can see the power behind going through a certain challenge. They could see the reason why that challenge is happening and they could see the growth and the learning behind it. And once you start doing that in life, it's amazing because basically it's like you're hacking those gremlins in your mind. You're basically, you're figuring out a way to get around them and to actually help. And to have less of them in life because they don't work anymore. It's like, okay, you guys can't. You know, you you guys really can't do this to me anymore because now my mindset mm. is so strong.
0: I think your dogs are missing yeah. you.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're and they're not even mine. That's what's so funny about it. <laughs> they're the neighbors, and they're going. Somebody's ringing their doorbell, and I thought, I thought that was, a, yeah. I came into the back office, I thought, oh, that might be helpful oh. if I get further back, but.
0: That's okay.
1: Inevitably. That's the reason why I don't have any pets. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: okay. Yeah. I think it's actually kind of universe giving a sign about with these dogs barking because everything that you're talking about with the mindset and with environment and everything on the one hand of course it resonates with me uh, because that's the work I do as well but especially with this dog's barking as you were talking what was coming up in my mind is we work with life
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: whatever happens in the moment that life kind of hands over to us there is no sort of you know with this kind of work with this mind at work there is no separating you from the rest of your life you know there's no compartmentalization that happens there in fact like we try to destroy all that compartmentalization because life happens as a whole and you don't get to like you know hit pause buttons on certain aspects of it just like you don't get to hit the mute button on the dogs in the background (laughs)
1: <laughs> you, know, you know and i've never i've never done a podcast without either dogs barking or sirens going off or somebody <laughs> drilling and i don't know what that it, but then again i noticed that i'm always talking about the gremlins in the back of your mind that's kind of where my, my mind used to be my mind used to actually be like that like it would it, you know instead of dogs barking and a bunch of noise or anything it, it would actually be somebody is it, my thoughts or somebody hearing somebody's voice tell me i can't do something or or just myself going how in the world am i gonna do that what in the world is it going to take to do this or that they wouldn't be empowered it would always be disempowering thoughts that um and that i've learned over time to change them into empowering thoughts and to make empowering decisions based on addressing it like i don't ignore those the negative chatter i look at it and th- now i'm able to kind of laugh at it a little bit you know <laughs> you know, so, well, there that goes again you know yeah but you're not going to get me this time because there's no proof that that's true actually i have more proof it's the opposite
0: that, and that's exactly been my story as well in terms of the negative cycles and the chatter in my head and then really the only way you can't ignore them you can't just make them go away the only way is to work with them and to change them
1: yeah yeah isn't that true uh, and and some people don't know that you could actually do that and that is a limiting belief you Mm -hmm. know that is truly a limiting belief that we may have is that you know hey it is what it is I'm not capable this is what my you know my mind won't let me do I don't have the mental toughness but we don't realize that some people, they, they are, that that is their gift, actually, is they like, I don't know if they come out of the womb that way. They have this mental toughness. However, there's people that have learned it. And the good news is, is that we could learn it as well. So we don't want to have that limiting belief that it's not for us or we're not. We may have, a, some people have a sibling, maybe that's like, man, I don't know, what is this about that person? They just, they could do anything they set their mind to. Uh, and sometimes they don't even realize they're doing this, having this mental strength, this mindset where they could be completely present and addressed their challenges in a way that's more logical. And I didn't, and I can say that I had that growing up and then lost it for a while. And then I gained it back. So it's like a muscle. Like I said, I created my own world when I was younger. It it was based on that type of thinking. I didn't even know that that, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just refused to accept certain things. People telling me that um, because of the way I look, that this is the type of work I'm going to be doing and that I should accept it because of the way I look and I'm different and so forth. Things like that. It's like, you know, you need to sell that to somebody else and, and and really that's kind of what it is it's kind of like selling you a belief and like do you want to accept this one and take this one on or not mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of them just didn't fit for me that's kind of why i think it's interesting that like you talked about how you're you're coaching women of color and i think that's a wonderful thing because in my work and in, i think what's similar to what you're finding is that certain cultures of folks uh, you know i know for the black culture a lot of times men and women both we were taught a lot of things about kind of like not tooting our own horn which today we call self promotion by the way that helps you to compete <laughs> you know like i don't have that i was i mean I, I had my culture telling me you know you don't do that and then also my faith depending on if you define it in a way like a i don't know i call it over defining it's like saying oh well, i can't do that because that that's haughty mm-hmm. and you know i saw so, so i look at it this way i did it to myself by listening to what folks in my culture would say and then also. So how I define things from the stage. And, 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 you know, we're talking about many times like misinterpreting what the Bible says it could be for a person. It's like, well, I think it means this. And it's like, well, we might want to check that to make sure, because if we get that wrong, it may impact our survival. Yeah. But I, and I didn't know. I mean, hey, it took me a long time to figure these things out. And that's why I'm I'm really passionate about moving forward in this work with helping people in their mindset, because I, I've found that I am I sleep better. You you know, I used to be a major insomniac. I I sleep better. I am a person that is an overachiever, so I could put down, hey, what what kind of thing? What do I need to achieve tomorrow? Accomplish tomorrow? I could write down a hundred things yep. easily, easily any day at any time. You know, that's a mind that does not shut off. But once I worked on my mindset and got coaching, you know, I, I hired a coach to to help me to develop a stronger mindset so that I could not be so overwhelmed and be thinking about things I'm not achieving all day long. So how can I be present I'm a single father as a single parent entrepreneur for years and it's like how in the world do you do that and be a present and because one of my greatest values was my relationship with my daughter is that I always wanted to be the best father that ever lived on the face of the uh-huh. earth you know, and that was just my thing it's like that I'm doing right because I, I learned the opposite ways and I know what's the right way to do it and so but you know and then then being an entrepreneur going to school and my responsibilities in the congregation that I'm at it's like okay Hey, this is this is why I'm an insomniac that can never rest and socialize. <laughs> because I was doing good and I was the father thing that was not on the docket for something to, to take off, to sacrifice. And so it was some other things I would mm-hmm. sacrifice, but I did a lot of things well. Like I was an extremely like, clean person. I always, <laughs> People would come into the house I say, hey, just because I'm a bachelor <laughs> doesn't mean I have to live like what? Well. I mean, like they always think like, oh, must be a woman hidden around here somewhere taking care of this place. Everything's so clean and organized and everything things decorated and it's like that's just how I live my life but yeah I was worn out I was one of those three to four hour sleepers for um, wow decades and decades yeah. time. so but my mindset and shifting it into understanding what is truly a priority and that how much time I was actually just spending thinking that I'm, am I doing enough am I being enough what if this isn't going to happen how, how am I going to get this money what's all these different things like, give me a break and my, yeah. my brain needed some serious rest and then realizing that those things are already there and it's and it's one of those things that till you're coached on it, it sounds kind of wooey to me. I, you know, I could listen to myself and say something like, you know, well, hey, if we just change your mindset, we could spend some time in, in helping you to create some shifts in your limiting beliefs. People might look at me and say, what in the world are you talking about? So the coaches that use these terms, we use them for a reason. We, we use the terms time management because when I say time management, some of you that may be listening say, you know, he didn't really, now, now I get it. I mean, I get time management, the whole mindset shift thing. Well, don't worry about the mindset. That shift. Time management is what we're talking to you about. And then when you start coaching with somebody, if they're a really good coach, they'll help you understand that it's not managing time. It's managing you. It's you managing your own time. It's me management, right? It's not time management. It's me management. But that comes when you're open, humble, honest, and hungry to achieve your greatest potential. You'll be open to those very cool things that you could learn, but you got to be open to it. And uh, that some, sometimes that in itself is a break. It's like, hey, I'm. I've got a coach. That's a breakthrough. Maybe even if it's only once a month, I've got a coach now that I could go to. And the desired outcome is, is that he or she is going to be my sounding board. They're going to be my cheerleader. They're going to help me. They're going to help me with my affirmations. You know, you know. They're just going to hear me out. I need somebody to deeply listen to me and sincerely want to hear what I have to say and to help me understand my own world. So that if that I could um, change the narrative here and change, change my my future. So
0: Absolutely. Well, as we start wrapping up this episode, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we're definitely going to have more of these conversations, yeah. uh, you and I, because there's so much more to, to talk to you about. Yeah. But for this episode, what is your final takeaway message for our listeners? This is something I ask every single speaker. This is how I close every single episode. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, what I'd like to say is that think about your definition of things even with our focus today when we talk about things like inclusion like what does that actually mean to you? what because our diversity, what does that mean to you? because sometimes it's the internal you know we talked about like limiting beliefs well sometimes limiting beliefs are limited understandings or it's the way we define things. you know so let's make sure we're clear on that. you know what, what does that what does that really mean to me or for somebody? else. And do I agree with that? Do I disagree with it? Because that that could be a great way to have a conversation. And I'm talking about people as close as husband and wife, they could could be together for 20 years and find out that they define something completely different. Uh. And they don't know about it until they talk about it. It's like, you know, by the way, this is the way I see this. And the other person's like, are you kidding? I never thought of it that way. So of course you could have shared perspective, but you could also realize wow, we're way different in our thinking about this. So what is... our definition going to be together and I think organizations have to do the same sometimes they adopt definitions of things where really that's really not working if they don't really believe that's what it is you know because I've, I've actually heard definitions of things that I disagree with that's not the way I see it you know <laughs> and so, so, but I'm open to hear more about it and I'll talk to you about that at another time because one, one of the terms that I, do, I was just it keeps on coming up to me is racist uh. the definition of a racist so, so I just find that to be intriguing. So let that be a thought for the day is how do you define certain things that are impacting your life or that you're challenged with, or that's a topic at work or at home? How do you define it? And let's get on the same page, first of all, so that we can come up with a solution.
0: That is a great closing message. Think about your language, think about your definitions, and let's level set and work together. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Coach McCoy, for this amazing conversation. And like I said, I feel like we're going to have several more of these because I have so many more questions for you. And for all of our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will be back very soon with another episode of Leg Upward Inclusion Spotlight, Making the Invisible Visible with me, Dr. Aparajita Jiragunta. But until then, I hope you all have a lovely day. Bye.